to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus. And we are going to turn especially to Exodus chapter 3. It is here in chapter 3 in this great book that we have titled A Journey of Redemption. It is here in chapter 3 that Moses himself is redeemed. You remember at 40 years old, he tried to be the deliverer himself. He tried to do things his way, right? He looked to the left. He looked to the right. But he forgot to look up. And he made a mess out of everything. And we talked about the maturation of Moses, how Moses had to mature. And not, as, not much is written about his time spent in Midian. We know the first part where he, he goes and he helps the daughters of Jethro at the well. And he's given the, the, the daughter Zipporah to marry. And he has a son named Gershom. But other than that, there's a long period of 40 years that Moses, by the Holy Spirit, chooses not to, to write about. But surely... God was there training him, he who had been served all his life, who had, he who had gotten used to do every, doing everything his own way as a prince of Egypt. Now he is learning to take on that moniker that God would give him, my servant Moses. He would learn how to be a shepherd, how to he that had been the one everybody wanted to be, he that was somebody, learn how to be nobody and for God to be everything. What a journey. He took from Egypt to Midian. But now, in our story, he is going to see what Moses says was a marvelous sight. And indeed, it must have been because it changed Moses forever. And in this journey of redemption, isn't it wonderful that Moses himself is redeemed? Even at 80 years old, you know, sometimes we think, Lord, are you ever going to work in my life? Are you ever going to work in this person's life? Well, here, at 80 years old, Moses is redeemed. And I'm going to submit to you this morning that the bush was not the only thing that got set on fire in the mountain here. Moses' heart, Moses' soul got set on fire by the Lord. And I hope that I, that, that happens for every one of us this morning, that God will flame the fires of love that he has given to us for his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will fill us with zeal uh, for his house. May our prayer be today, Lord, light, light my torch. So Moses here, and, and the main thing around this message is going to be his experience at the, the burning bush. This bush that was enveloped in fire, yet was not consumed. So one of the things that I want you to be thinking about as we preach through this is what you think God means for us to understand of that incredible sight. What, what is the spiritual implication, the spiritual meaning behind the burning bush. That, that's the thing that, that I want us to really be able to lay hold of. And then that, that would empower us in our walk, in our journey of redemption as well. The title of our message this morning is, Are We Ignitable? Are We Ignitable? Let's read this great story. Exodus chapter 3. 1 through 10, hear 
the word of God. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, and, and any of you that watch Ten Commandments, you know, I, I can still see Charlton Heston. He said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight. I'm glad they, they, they got it just right. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I want you to pay attention to this. He said, I am the God of thy father. Oh, I love that, that the Holy Spirit included that in the scriptures. Usually you, you hear, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You always hear that. But oh, how he personally connected it to Moses. He said, I'm the God of your father, Amram. I'm the God of your father. I am the God of Abraham. Not, not I was the God, but I am. Can I get an amen? I'm the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, masters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land into a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Come now therefore, I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been 80 years in coming, right? For Moses, but now he hears God call his name. God is going to set him on fire to be that deliverer that he has been called to be in his life. I tell you, brothers and sisters, the bush was not the only thing that God lit on fire that day. I ask you today, are you ignitable? Are you ignitable? I love what Jim Elliott said. He's one of my heroes Jim Elliott said this when he had read this story about the burning bush. He asked this question of himself. He said, am I ignitable? He said, and this was his prayer that day, God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Y'all know what asbestos is? I know Brother Kevin. I know Brother Jeff does. We have, we have to deal with that in these old buildings. They put asbestos. And these walls of these old buildings to keep 
them from burning. They, they are non-flammable materials. We just didn't know they were probably going to cause cancer as well. But they, they had a, a good idea about it, but a bad result. But Jim Elliott was looking in his heart and his life, and he was saying, Lord, is, do I have the asbestos of other things in my heart or in my life or in my mind that, that keep me from being ignitable for your glory Evidently, Moses did have those things. And it took 40 years for God to use another type of flame to burn dross off of him, to remove the asbestos of other things, of who Moses thought he was, of how beautiful Moses was told he was as a baby. Remember five times? Oh, he was a goodly child. He was a beautiful child. He was a man full of deeds and wonders. A mighty man he was proclaimed. Elliot said, God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the Holy Spirit that I may be a flame. What a great prayer. May we also pray today, Lord, light my torch. Lord, help me to burn and not be consumed for your glory. Deliver me, Lord. Come down for me and set me on fire, to be your light, to be warmth for others, to set others free. Oh, I love this little poem here, and I think about Moses praying, resting, waiting, trusting. You ever been there? Listen to that again. Oh, what a position. I imagine Moses in these 40 years praying, Resting, waiting, trusting. These are words that tell a story. As we wait for God to lead us, He says to us, Just seek my glory. Oh, beloved, when you don't know what to do in your life, you're not sure about the direction, just seek the glory of God. This became the passion of Moses' heart after this moment. All the time before, Moses has sought his glory. Well, to really see and view and beseech God for his glory, you've got to come to the end of your own because we'll never glorify God in ourselves at the same time. And so we're asking ourselves this question, am I ignitable? And how can I become so? Well, first and foremost, as we uh, begin to consider this, we become ignitable after we have been tendered by God. Moses, now in his life, had been tendered by God. Those of you that are older, you know what I'm talking about, about being tendered. A, green, a wood, when it's first cut down, it's green. It has too much sap in it. You can't, you can't burn it. You can't get a good flame from it. it it just smokes. Oh, but I love it when you, you find that wood that has been tendered and even uh, those uh, lighter pieces uh, that, that you can just almost snap your fingers and they'll catch on fire. And God does that in our life. He tenders us through life to prepare us for His use. I love to think about uh, God and the element of fire in the Word of God. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
we all go we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24 after our parents had sinned and they were cast out of the garden of Eden at the entrance to the garden of Eden and to guard the way to the tree of life God set mighty cherubim and what kind of sword flaming, flaming sword yes a flaming sword oh when he sent judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Abraham he rained down from heaven fire and brimstone and destroyed that evil off of the earth. When God's people with Moses disobeyed him in the wilderness, he sent fiery serpents among them in judgment. We think about Nadab and Abihu who thought that they could just offer any kind of fire, any kind of sacrifice or thing to God, and a fire came out from God and devoured them. We think about the fire as protection, how God in the wilderness, and even to protect them from Pharaoh and his chariots, he brought down a pillar of fire that protected them and guided them by night. Oh, I love what it says in Psalms 104 and verse 4, and it gives me hope as a preacher because he says he will make his ministers as flames of fire. I think about Elijah and his swift remove from the earth. He went out in a chariot of what, Brother Jeff? In a chariot of fire, brother. I think about the Hebrew children cast into a fiery furnace. And that old king looking in and said, Did we not put three in there? But I see four. And he looks like the Son of God. And they lost nothing in the fire except that which had bound them. I think about on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit came down in that great blessing and He put over them cloven tongues of what? Of fire. I think about what the writer of Hebrews would say that our God is a consuming fire. And I think in the very end, God judged the earth once with water and He covered the earth with water. But in the end, He will come and He will judge the earth with fire. So much that Peter would say that the heavens would be on fire and even the elements thereof would be dissolved. Oh, this God that speaks by fire, this God that answers by fire, would you pray, Lord, light my soul on fire for you, but let me not be consumed. Tender me. You know, here he had been so long in the wilderness Know that delay, God's delay, does not mean denial. Here Moses was 40 years in training. And I love what Pink said about this, about Moses' time of being tendered by God. He said, the hand of man could never mold a vessel meet for the master's use. The master had to make the mold himself. Hallelujah. Egypt could not do for Moses what only God could do. Oh, why does God tender us through life? Look with me in the book of, of James. I love the way that James expresses this as, as we think about our own lives and the things that we've been through and gone through, mountaintops, valleys, Sorrows, joys, 
All of these things, God tendering us so that he might make us ignitable for his service. I, I love this in the book of James chapter 1. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, what a, what a weird way to start off a letter. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. I've never started a letter off to anybody like that. But he says, but this is why. And this is the way it was for Moses. And this is the way it is for us. If we be God's. Knowing this. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. That ye may be perfect and entire. Wanting nothing. That's what God was doing with Moses in Midian. He was preparing him. How long did the children of Israel have to wander in the wilderness? Can anybody tell me how many years? Forty years, right. Moses, even as I see this place where he went, notice in our text, it says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. That doesn't sound too exciting to me. And he was doing it for his father-in-law. Listen, I've worked for my father-in-law. It's not that exciting. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock. He was a shepherd. The job nobody else wanted. He was a nobody. Nobody knew Moses in Midian. Nobody's eye was on Moses except God's. He had his eye on him. He was tendering him. And listen to what he said. He said he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God. This is Sinai. This is Sinai. This is the same place Elijah got lit on fire. I believe this is where uh, the apostle Paul was when the Lord drove him to the wilderness. And this is going to be so significant because all this area where Moses is leading these flocks, these sheep, these stubborn, <laughs> rebellious sheep, when he brings the nation of Israel out of the land of Egypt. This is the area where they're going to sojourn. And Moses is going to know the area. And he's going to bring them to this very place where he saw the burning bush. And so all of this God was using and preparing. Not only for him but for his children. So I just want you to think about your own life. And be thankful and see that God is, is tendering you. May, may we be at work. To look and see by the Spirit of God the asbestos of other things that are in our lives and help us to, to remove those things so that we might be more ignitable to God. He is keeping us during these times. He's keeping us at a throne of grace. He is trying our graces right now. He is preparing us for more grace so that the right time he can use us to do the most good. Hallelujah. And now it was Moses' time. It was Moses' time even at 80 years old. Well, secondly, I believe we become ignitable and we see this in this redemption of Moses. When we come to truly see who God truly is. Moses had thoughts about God. He had heard stories about God. He had seen how all the Egyptians worshipped their gods. But now he's going to meet God. He's going to meet Him. 
He's going he's gonna to be like Job. Job thought he really had a case with God. And when God appears and talks to Job, Job pulls this number. He said, oh, God, I, I, I'm foolish. I, I should just shut my mouth before you. I love what Stephen Charnick said. It always captured my imagination. He said, I want to glorify God as God. And maybe you might think when you hear that quote, I want to glorify God as God. And you might say, well, of course, Brother Nathan. But that's not what people are doing. They're not glorifying God as God in our day. They're glorifying God as they want Him to be in their own imagination. But if you truly want to be set on fire by the true God of heaven and the flame of heaven, you must worship God. You must serve God as God truly is. And that's what Moses is going to see. That's who Moses is going to meet. And isn't it amazing that it was Moses' childlike curiosity that changed his life forever? Moses, he said, I got to turn aside and I've got to see this great sight. Oh, I would encourage all of you to ever develop and keep a wonderful childlike curiosity for God that you might know Him more and more and more that you might see great things especially as it pertains to His glory I love what the Apostle Paul would say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians you all know this me and Brother Andy we have preached this verse about to death uh, because we love it so much it's so powerful because in it we see the great dual truths of both uh, regeneration and conversion. Now, we believe in uh, the efficacy of God's grace in both of those great works. One is without means, in which God immediately regenerates His children. He gives them eternal life. For you hath He quickened, who were dead in trespasses and in sin, like Lazarus, when he was dead in the tomb, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He gave him life. And then he told the men around him, take off those grave clothes. That's symbolic of conversion. We think about Lydia where it says about her, whose heart the Lord opened. And then she believed the things that were taught by the Apostle Paul. We hear Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in John 3 that he that enters the kingdom must be born again by the Spirit of God. For the wind bloweth. Where it listeth. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell when whence it comes or whence it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. There must be first life, and then there is birth. Hallelujah. And so we read here the Apostle Paul, he alludes to this, and he alludes back to even the creation of the world. When the earth, when darkness was upon the face of the deep, and then The creation cried out to God, God give us light. No, there was no cry out to God for light. But darkness was upon the face of the deep. The earth was formless and voidless. And then the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. And who said? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, that's that's exactly what happens when you're born again and then converted. Look at this, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, 
who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I submit to you that the very angel of the Lord that appeared and spoke to Moses in the burning bush was our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's undeniable. It's undeniable. This is a pre-incarnate visit of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's visiting Moses on the mount and later in the ministry of Jesus when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration and the Lord gives him his glory again, guess who God sends down to talk to Jesus on the Mount? But Moses himself. Return visit. Pretty awesome, huh? Are you ignitable? Can you truly see who God truly is? What is this burning bush? What is this sight? Well, surely... Surely and truly, it is a picture ever of the children of God and of the people of God. Just even in our story, how that they were in the furnace of affliction in Egypt. And yet, all that Egypt and Pharaoh had tried to do to destroy them, and they had only become stronger. And ever throughout their history, and even to this day, it is that way. We, as the people of God, are a bush that, are, that is always under fire, yet never consumed. Hallelujah for the perpetuity of the church, and that His truth will endure to all generations, and He will find faith on the earth when He returns. But there's something deeper than that. There's something more beautiful than that. I don't know... What did you think in your mind? What is this burning bush? What is this bush that is on fire? And it's still a bush. And the fire still is a fire. And they are coexisting together. And out of it speaks the word of God. Oh, beloved, is it not one of the most beautiful and only pictures of both the deity and the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a beautiful, you know, the, the unity of, of the God-man is something that is almost indescribable or uncomparable to anything. But here we see a beautiful picture of it. The bush is like the humanity of Jesus, 100% man. And then the flame is like the deity of Christ, 100% God yet coexisting together, neither over-trumping the other, and out of it comes a revelation of who God is. And you know that in here, when he says, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes for your own holy ground, you need to highlight that word holy there. You know why? Because it's the first time it's used in the Bible. It's the first time it's used in the Bible. And so here we see it as a symbol of both the deity and humanity of Christ. We see it as a symbol of God's people enduring the furnace of affliction but being preserved by the power of God. Isn't that beautiful? And Moses is seeing this great sight. And, and I love it that, that God doesn't just say, hey, I'm here and now I'm calling you to be the deliverer of my people. Oh, no. God says, I've come down. 
I've come down, and I'm going to deliver my people out of the hand of Pharaoh, but I'm just going to use you to help me do it. Can I get a hallelujah? Oh, hallelujah, when God comes down, beloved, things get done. Oh, that is when people really get ignited, is when they really see Jesus Christ for who he is. He's not just a good prophet. He's not just some good man that, that lived years ago that did some good things. He's fully God and fully man. He is God the Son. He is Lord and Savior. And when you really get a glimpse that he's all that that he claimed that he is, beloved, it sets you on fire. It lights your world up. It gives you something that empowers you to go forward into life and do all that God has called you to do. And it did that for Moses. Thirdly, thirdly, we become ignitable. When we come to the end of our glory and long for the glory of God. That's when a soul really becomes ignitable. When you can come to the end of yourself and realize that life is not about you and not about what you want, but it's about God and what He wants. I love the language here in this whole conversation. He says, Moses, Moses. He says, here am I, Lord. Right? Here am I. But God answers when Moses says, who will I tell them that sent me? is the great tetragrammaton, the I am. Beloved, it's not about who you are. It's not about who I am this morning, or our glory, or Moses' glory. But now Moses' soul is set on fire, and from now on, all he wants to participate in, all he wants to see, all he wants to view, and he cries out in Exodus 13, 18, when God says, I'll let you have anything. He says, I just beseech you. Show me thy glory. Show me thy glory. And God said, I'm going to make all my goodness pass by you. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. and I'm going to cover you. I'm going to pass by you. I'm going to let you see my hindermost parts. And it was such a view that when Moses came down off the mount, he glowed with such a glow that the people could not even stand to look upon him. They had to veil his face. It will never be about who I am, but it will be about who he is, that he is holy. And let me tell you something, dear brothers and sisters. The glory of God is holy ground. The glory of God is holy ground. It is something not to be trifled with. It is something that cannot be compromised. For He will not give His glory to another. Moses' request, Show me thy glory, is answered as he rejects his own beauty, the beauty of the world, and he finds himself face down in the desert sand on the mountain of God. Oh, beloved, he got ignited. He got ignited. 
Then lastly, as we begin to close, as we think about this for our own lives, beloved, we become ignited, ignitable when we feel the power of redemption and the necessity of our mission. That, that's what's happening in Moses' life right now. God has matured him. God has tendered him. He has shown him who he really is. He has revealed his glory unto him. And now Moses feels the power of redemption. Notice when God talks to Moses for the first time. He doesn't backtrack and say, Oh, yeah, I saw you when you murdered. I saw you when you, you thought you were really something and you messed everything up. God skips that, right? God skips that. God did not talk to Moses about what had been done, but he talked to him about what needed to be done. Oh, may God set us on fire for that. May we burn up the mistakes, the sins of the past, by the power of forgiveness and redemption and see the necessity of the mission before us. I think about the Apostle Paul, blind, praying to God after he had met him on the road to Damascus and said, Lord, who art thou? I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the bricks. Go to the street that is called Straight and Anas and find this one that was Saul but will now be Paul. And God lit Paul on fire. And he said, tell him that he will declare my name before kings and the Gentiles and that he will suffer great things for my name's sake. Now rise, brother Saul. Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And immediately, Saul rose and he was baptized. And then when we find him next, he's preaching the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. He saw and felt the power of redemption and the necessity of the mission. I ask you in our day, in our day, in our time, in our lives, Brother Jeff, are there still Pharaohs that need to be faced down? Are there still people that need to be set free? Or we'll go to the nursing home today and may we bring the flame of God with us and warm their hearts from one to another. Like my torch, Lord, there's still nations that need to be led. There are still people who need to be escaped from bondage. Feel, feel the necessity of our redemption. You're going to need some energy for that. You're going to need some heat for that. You're going to need some light for that. God will set you on fire. He will ignite you. Think about all the soldiers with Gideon holding up their lights and those pictures and they broke them by the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. I think about Jesus who said, you are the light of the world. Take that candle and let it Fill the house with light. Consume me with the fire that leads the way to you, Lord. Moses, just another day on the backside of the wilderness, so we thought. 
He sees the burning bush. And he gets to be on holy ground. He hears the very angel of the Lord tell him the sweet story of redemption, the true heart of God, who God is, the God of the living and not of the dead, a God that hears the cries of his people, that comes down himself to deliver them, that forgives and redeems his servants, even that have made terrible mistakes, and tells him what needs to be done. All beloved, come now. Jesus says to you and to me today, as well as he did to Moses, come now. Come now. I send you to Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Well, may the Lord light all of our torches. May we say like Jim Elliot, God deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the Holy Spirit that I may be a flame. My heart and altar, thy love the flame.